Welcome, everyone. This is Michael Blue, and you've connected to the Fellowship of Kingdom Professionals, the podcast, where we are cultivating makers and shapers of culture. Prepare for a riveting time in the principles and practices of the King and of His Kingdom. You are about to be charged, challenged, and changed. I know you're ready. Let's go. Let us pray together. Father, we appreciate the privilege that you've afforded us to be a part of this gathering this morning. Thank you for from the rising of the sun to the going down of the same. The name of the Lord is to be praised. We ask that you would guide and direct your people. Let no weapon that is formed against them prosper. Let every tongue that will rise against them in judgment be condemned. Thank you for each person who has come and taken a moment to sit with us or to stand as they do what they do or to drive, but they're with us by virtual access, but they're actually engaged. We ask for your blessing upon them that you would prosper the works of their hands, the creativity of their hearts and minds. We pray, oh God, that you would bless their families and loved ones. But Father, we stop to thank you. Thank you for every gift. Thank you for every talent. Thank you for every ability. Thank you, oh God, for all that you give to us. For your word said every good gift and every precious or every perfect gift, rather, is from above and comes down from the Father of lights, with whom is no variableness, neither shadow of turning. It all comes from you. And we give you glory for the abundance of all things in Christ Jesus. We will not forget who you are and we will not forget what you've done. I ask you, O God, to provide every professional need that exists in the lives of these individuals and even personal needs. Supply their need according to your riches and glory by Christ Jesus. Amen and amen. All right. God bless you. We are here this morning, and again, I want you to uh, share this with someone, invite someone. Let's, Let's embrace and engage the fullness of what God has provided for us in this morning session. As I often say when I'm uh, have the privilege of ministering away from home, and it's certainly true at home, I believe that something good is. And I encourage the people to join me. I believe that something good is about to happen to you, to me, to us. All right. We have a special guest. He's always special, but he's our special guest. And he's also with us um, uh, consistently, even when he is not featured as in a moment such as this. He has a tremendous uh, preacher of the word, teacher of the word. Uh, he is a business person in several var- in several uh, varied streams. And uh, he is uh, now also uh, an author on another level. He's been writing, writing sermons, writing uh, uh, pamphlets and so forth for years. But now he has published formally uh, this wonderful book, and he's going to be sharing with us a bit about the book as well as whatever else uh, has been laid on his heart. 
One of the things that I appreciate the most about him is that he appreciates the gospel of the kingdom of God. Now, the gospel, the gospel centered in the death, the burial, the resurrection, and the revelation of Jesus Christ. Uh, whatever iteration of that exists, we are grateful for it. But we are even more grateful for having a holistic sense of that gospel and of its implications. And that's what we mean when we refer to the message of the kingdom of God. So let's receive him. Pastor A.A. A. Dix, uh, <clears throat> Greenville, South Carolina. Pastor Dix, God bless you, sir. And welcome to FKP 1130 edition live. God bless you, sir. God bless you. And good afternoon, Bishop. Bishop Blue. Well, Pastor, yes, tell sir. us how things are going there at the Mount. Things are going quite well, Bishop. First and foremost, thank you so very much for uh, giving me this opportunity to come amongst so many of God's very best to share this morning. I'm excited to be here uh, for FKP on this morning. Uh, I see some of the comments and God bless all of you. Uh, who are here. Thank you so very much for this opportunity. Things at the Mount are well, Mount Zion Church here in the upstate of South Carolina. And uh, we're just excited about what God is doing, not only for us, but what God is doing throughout the body around the rest of the world. And uh, just really grateful for the opportunity to come and share with you today. Go ahead and just begin to lift up the story of the, the story of the book, so to speak, just kind of how it how it was conceived and then talk a little bit about the birthing yes, and sir. how it's beginning to grow up as it were yes sir. thank you sir so i'll i'll start a, a long way off to give some of the story behind behind this uh this book here for those of you who may not know uh i am anthony a dix jr i am the senior pastor of mount zion church here in the upstate of south carolina and this past week, uh, I released my first traditionally published book, and it is called Holy Hardship. And it may be backwards on your screen, I don't know, but it's called Holy Hardship, How Jesus Turns Your Adversity into an Advantage. And there is a, a I'll give you a brief history about how it unfolded for me personally. Uh, as I was uh, sharing with some people yesterday, I told them that I never really uh, liked English as a child. As a matter of fact, when I was a student at North Carolina A&T State University, I was a math major. I really didn't like much English or much reading. When the Lord called me to preach, I did have ambitions as, as a preacher, but none of my ambition involved writing a book. None of it at all. I, I never had the ambition to, to write a book. And in 2016, August the 5th, 2016, while I was ministering at a church here in the upstate, uh, a pastor by the name of T. Renee Glenn prophesied over my life. And she spoke into my life at that time. She said, you've got about two or three books in you. And I know that I'm amongst company who takes the word of the Lord seriously. And even though I did not have a proclivity to be prolific at that point. If the Lord said there's a book in me, I, I felt like I had a responsibility to really take that word seriously and get it out. 
So at that point, I, I didn't know what the content of the book would be about. I, I didn't know what I had in me to write. But some things unfolded between the first six or so, really five or so months of 2017 that really provided uh, enough for me to begin to write about. August of 2016, excuse me, 2015, excuse me, <clears throat> August of 2017, while I was in Atlanta, I was with a friend of mine by the name of Dr., the Reverend Dr. Emery Berry Jr., uh, who is the senior pastor of the favorite church in Decatur, Georgia. And uh, we were going through some of the things that I had been through early on in that year. And while we rehearsed what was going on, he said to me, you ought to write a book about that because that book, that what you are saying would help to change people's lives. Your perspective on your pain and your predicament how you move forward would be a blessing to many. And at that point, I received the content, uh, really the push from another peer to begin to write what is now called Holy Hardship. Originally, what I called the book was The Fellowship of His Suffering. The Fellowship of His Suffering. That's what I called the book originally. But the publisher and I, uh, we worked it out to where we got a, a title that was much more commensurate with the content of the book. But the book was born out of some hardship that I went through as a leader, not just as a person, but as a leader, and more importantly, as a kingdom leader. There's some things that I endured while pastoring that um, really took me through a transformative, transformative uh, process. And I learned, I learned, I learned so, so much. And the premise of the book initially was born out of Paul's uh, cry out of his own heart that, that said that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his suffering. And um, what the Lord began to unfold to me is how he inducts someone or initiates someone into the fellowship of suffering by privileging their life with pain. And um, that's how the beginnings of the book began. And, and throughout the text, we walk through the passion of Jesus Christ so that we might learn him in the fellowship of his suffering. There are a ton of Christian books out there teaching us how to succeed. I believe that there's not enough books out there teaching Christians how to suffer, how to handle your hardship. I believe that trouble changes you. The only question is, who will trouble change you into? Trouble within itself, I think, is transformative. Trauma will change you. That there's some things that you can go through, whether it's as a leader, whether it's as a person, to make a difference that can transform how you behave, transform your worldview, transform how you look at life, how you look at others, and how you look at yourself. But I believe that Jesus, through his passion, shows us that if we handle our hardship like he handled his, 
we can come out on the other side of trauma triumphant. Trouble can change you for the better, not just make you bitter. And that's the, the impetus behind this, this, this work here. And we walk through the passion of Jesus Christ to give some revelation and insight into how you can handle your hardship like Jesus handled his. Um, 12 and 1 of Hebrews, wherefore seeing we're compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which doth so easily beset us. The next verse says, looking unto Jesus, who is the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame. I'd like to ask you to do two things. Joy set before him, despising the shame. Okay, enduring the cross, the three pieces there. Joy set before him, endured the cross, despising the shame. Enduring the cross is the passion that you just referred to. Show us, show us how joy can be set before an individual who is enduring a cross and thereby enable him or her to despise shame. As um, I had an opportunity to dig into the passion of Jesus Christ a little bit more and hear, hear you know, from the spirit of the Lord as to how Jesus handled his hardship, uh, there is one component that we don't often talk about enough in, in the church, I believe. And I know people are talking about it, but I don't think it can be talked about enough. And that is how Jesus navigated the cross because as a son, he had trust in the father. And in, in a wonderful novella in Genesis, I believe chapter 22, there is an example of Jesus Christ as Isaac ascends up the mountain to be sacrificed by his father. Now, there are some expositors who say that uh, Isaac was not a child at this point, that he was of age. Uh, and by of age, I mean beyond 17. He was not a kid. He was still his father's son, but he wasn't a kid. And we see him doing something that Jesus would eventually do. You, you, Bishop, you know this better than I do, and you can preach it a whole lot better than I can. But as they ascended up the mountain, uh, Isaac asked his father, I see the, the, the wood, I see the fire for the burnt offering, but where's the lamb? And we see the text say something of Isaac that Jesus would eventually do. It says that when they were ascending up the mountain, that Isaac didn't carry the fire for the sacrifice, but he did bear the wood. Yes. He bore the wood. So even though he had been circumcised as a son, even though he was an image bearer, they came, there came a point in his life where he had to bear the wood upon which he himself would be sacrificed. And when he got up to the mountain, we would do well to understand that Abraham heard from God. Isaac only heard from the father. Isaac did not hear from God. Isaac heard from Abraham. And it's the trust that a son gives to the father that really leads to the promise of a Jireh, 
the Lord providing a ram in the bush. And it's that resolve around the promise of the father, your resolve to trust the father in the face of your hardship that empowers you to, to bear the wood, to endure the cross, endure the cross. Yes. and despise the shame mm -hmm. because your father told you that in three days, I'll, I'll, I'll get you out of the grave. Jesus mm -hmm. didn't go to the cross without a promise. Yes. Jesus didn't go to the cross without a purview or some prophetic word hanging over his life. Hanging over his life. Yes, I will raise you up. And I think that the resolve and the trust that we have in God empowers us to endure our crosses and despise the shame because our pain is not just painful, it's profitable. And the belief in the profitability of our pain is what really gives us the resolve to navigate hardship well. Sir, talk about um, uh, how we can obtain copies, um, get the various um, uh, avenues by means of which we can gain access to the book. Yes, sir. So there are a few ways in which you can get the book. Probably the easiest way to tell you how is to just go to holyhardship.com. Okay. That's holyhardship.com. And on that website, you'll see buttons that say buy the book, get the book. You get the book and it'll take you to a, a, a website where the publisher uh, houses the book. Uh, at this point, because of some supply chain issues, uh, Amazon is having a little bit of trouble getting the books out in a timely fashion. If you want the book almost immediately, the best way to do it is to go to holyhardship.com or you can go to aadixjr.com and both of those will lead you uh, to places where you can purchase Holy Hardship, How Jesus Turns Your Adversity into an Advantage. That's wonderful. It is available on Kindle as well uh, uh, on Amazon. So if you go to Amazon, you can get the Kindle copy of the book right now if you want print copies going to holyhardship.com or aadixjr.com would be the best way to do that pastor <laughs> yes sir. Uh, the teaching of how to suffer uh i have read i have read that um that the church in countries such as china we know that there is revival there's major move of god in many of those nations that are that that are oppressed for the gospel the believers are oppressed yes sir and uh there's there's a wonderful book uh uh oh my the title is escaping me it is the it is not the miracle man it's the Oh my, I, it'll come back. It'll come back to me, but it's written by one of the great, uh, powerful apostolic, uh, evangelistic voices from the, what's called underground church of China. Mm. And, uh, he talked about the fact that, uh, one of the courses that they have in seminary so to speak, as they train people for one of the courses they have, of course, on martyrdom. Wow. Um, they, oh yes, I remember now. His name is Brother Yoon. Uh, I knew it would come back to me. 
and uh, uh, his, uh, let's see what Tyler's book is. He's one of the Chinese church leaders, the heavenly man. That's it. The heavenly man, powerful book. And he talks about the fact that when they train ministers and leaders, they have a course on martyrdom. Yes, sir. So in other words, it's not, you might go through, no, we're going to go ahead and equip you. So, so what I'm saying is holy hardship in a kind of, kind of way is a course on martyrdom. Yes. You know, we hope that it, it won't be the full taking of our physical lives. However, our brother Lee, Jesus said in Acts 1 and 8, but ye shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you. Sure. And you should be witness unto me. The word witness there in the Greek is martyr. We are witnesses to God to the ultimate extent when we are willing to give our lives, even if giving our lives means giving up our lives. Sure. And uh, that's that's the spirit of what I hear in the holy hardship. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. My mind. Right. That's exactly right. To to be a witness or to be a martyr is to, as Jesus said, lay one's life down. And we have opportunities as kingdom leaders to lay our lives down. John Maxwell put it this way. In order to go up, you've got to give up. And as a leader, there's certain rights that you give up. And this book, uh, in going through what Jesus went through in his passion prayerfully provides us with insight as to the path that that things can take in modern contexts and our contemporary context to events really what martyrdom may look like for you and I and that that martyrdom is an invitation into a fellowship that was welcomed by the early church the early church was not known for their celebration of success. They were known for their celebration of we suffered like Jesus. Yes. Like uh, you, you, I think you preached a text uh, not too long ago from Acts chapter four, where they had been threatened by the Sanhedrin yes. and Peter and John. They were excited to have had the opportunities to suffer like Christ, to bear in their bodies the markings of the sufferings of Christ. And in this day and age, as Martin Luther once critiqued the church, we've gotten to this dichotomous relationship between the theology of the cross and the theology of glory. Even again in, in the 21st century, where we are more into how does God help us succeed and we've lost that kingdom imperative of, it's really about a cross and how the cross leads to triumph. How you can suffer like Jesus in order to ascend, ascend like him. Amen. Amen. Well, pastor, thank you so much, sir. You've blessed us as always. And I encourage everyone who has not uh, obtained a copy to get a copy. <clears throat> we need a balance in the best sense of balance. I know the word balance has been used in an imbalanced manner at times, but we do need a balanced perspective with regard to what we call blessing and what it means to uh, suffer natural loss for the cause 
of Christ and of his cross. It's not either or. And what often happens and what has often happened in the 20th and 21st century church. Well, let's say it this way, uh, with all due respect, but what has happened in the Western church. Yes, sir. And then Western church in general to Americanized church in particular is that we have vacillated from one extreme to the next. In the Middle Ages, we're all about penance and all about vows of poverty and ascetism and all of those kinds of elements, which are which are a kind of suffering that is at, a, at, at times superficial uh, because suffering for the cause of Christ now, this self-discipline, that side is self-induced, but the rest of it, it's not. the that's persecution, right. so forth, that's satanic. That's right. That's right. And nobody with good sense is wishing for that mm -hmm. or seeking that. Mm -hmm. But it's something that we accept. The Bible said Jesus endured the cross. It didn't say he enjoyed it. It said he endured the cross. And so building that endurance, that as it is as it is a necessary part of the journey, as it is a necessary part of becoming, as it is a necessary part of emulating the Lord Jesus Christ, I'm willing, and he makes me able mm -hmm. to endure holy hardship. Well, sir, thank you. Thank you. Uh, thank may you. the Lord bless you. And of course, First Lady, abundantly keep doing what you're doing, sir. We're all blessed by your life and ministry. Let's put in the comments uh, our appreciation for uh, Pastor Dix. He is not only um, someone who's with us as a guest, but he's with us consistently supporting and contributing. And the best of that relationship as well is yet to come. Thank you, Pastor. God bless you. God bless you, Bishop. And thank you for having me. Thank all of you for your love and support and your congratulatory felicitations. I receive them and bless God for each of you. Thank you so much. Amen. Amen. Yes, Praise God. All right. Well, I told you we had a special guest and his contribution is definitely a special gift. Thank God for it. Um, yes, all who will live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution and we must, the Bible says, through much tribulation enter into the kingdom of God. All right. That doesn't that's not designed to make us scared. It's not designed to make us pessimistic. It's to give us a realistic, holistic perspective of God's call to and for and upon each of us. All right, let's look now a little further at our ongoing lesson. We know that we don't have quite as much time, but this is great. I know you've been blessed. We've been talking about knowing your assignment, knowing my assignment. And we have uh, used... John chapter one, in the interest of time, I'm going to just read one verse, one verse, the gospel of John chapter one, <clears throat> verse six, there was a man sent from God whose name was John. And we've talked about the fact that John the Baptist is such a powerful example of what it means for a man or woman to know his or her God assignment, life assignment. Many of us know that John the Baptist 
I, as a child, I remember hearing it said so many times, John the Baptist was sent as the forerunner. Anybody ever heard that expression? F-O-R-E-R-U-N-N-E-R. -E -E the forerunner of Jesus Christ. He was the herald of Jesus Christ. The, he's the one who's saying the king is coming. And so um, we've talked about some elements of what it means to know one's assignment. Number one, we are to know our sender. In John chapter uh, one, verse 32, 33, John said, he that sent me to baptize told me that upon whom I see the spirit descend and remain, the same as he that baptizes with the Holy Ghost. That's John chapter 132 through 33. And of course, we just read, there was a man sent from God, sent from God. So know my sender, whose name was John. Not only that, but in the book of Luke chapter one, Luke chapter one, uh, John's parents, John's father, in particular, Zacharias, is told by the angel, Zach, uh, angel Gabriel, Zacharias is told by the angel Gabriel that his son will go before the Messiah as a prophet in the spirit of Elijah and prepare the way. All right. So we've dealt with knowing one's sender. And, and thank you, Minister Colvin. That's exactly right. There are eight components. Knowing my sender, knowing myself, knowing my superiors, uh, knowing my skills, knowing my service, knowing my scope, knowing my schedule, and knowing my satisfaction. All right. So first, he knows his sender. Secondly, he is to know himself. Uh, and we look at the name John. The name John uh, fully fleshed out is Yohanan. If you look at some of the places in the Old Testament, you'll see people uh, uh, referred to as Johanan. All right. J and Y are interchangeable in the Hebrew transliteration into English. That's why Yahweh and Jehovah are essentially the same. All right. So, uh, Yohanan, Yo is Jehovah, Hana is grace. Jehovah is gracious. God is gracious. God's grace. God has been good. You follow. That's what his name means. And I talked about the fact that his name means uh, God is gracious on three levels. Number one, God is gracious because this old man, Zacharias, and this old woman, Elizabeth, who are not uh, in childbearing years anymore, had never had children, are now graced to give birth to a child, to conceive and give birth to a child. Amen. Grace. Then secondly, the gifts and the abilities and the anointing and the calling of God that's upon John the Baptist. Grace. And then thirdly, he is the forerunner, herald for Jesus who takes the people of God out of the era of law and into the era of grace. So it has all those meanings. Yohanan, God is gracious. That's know myself. Number three, know my superior. Jesus is his superior. Jesus is the one who has more authority than he. He said that concerning Jesus, uh, he's not worthy to stoop down and unloose or unlace his sandals. The book of Matthew chapter three, Matthew chapter three, 
verse 11. I indeed, Matthew 3, 11, I indeed baptize you with water unto repentance, but he that cometh after me is mightier than I, whose shoes I am not worthy to bear. And in other accounts of the same story, he says he's not uh, worthy to uh, uh, unlace his shoes. And so there it is, uh, Mark 1 and 7, for example, and preach saying, there cometh one mighty than I after me, the latchet of whose shoes I'm not worthy to stoop down and loose. You see it? And uh, he knew that Jesus was his superior. Now, John's assignment is to be a prophet. God, uh, John's assignment is to be a messenger, to be a herald. Jesus said concerning John, among those born of women, there's none greater than John the Baptist. <clears throat> John the Baptist, according to Jesus, is the greatest of the Old Testament prophets, uh, second only to himself. It is the 11th chapter of Matthew, verse 11. Verily I say unto you, among them that are born of women, they have not risen a greater than John the Baptist. So second only to Jesus, John the Baptist is the greatest of all the Old Testament people. Yet, John knows he has a superior. It takes nothing away from John's dignity, John's worth, to know that there's someone who is my upline. And in order for the work of God to be accomplished, I must submit to him as my upline. Ladies and gentlemen, in order for you and for me to fulfill the call of God upon all of our lives, we must be able to submit to an upline. We must be able to submit to the fact that I don't necessarily have the position that is the position with the highest authority. Now, Jesus is God. And so Jesus is in a class by himself. But as it relates to us as human beings, there will be human beings who occupy offices that have higher authority than we have. That does not mean that that person as an individual is superior in worth to you at all, to me at all. No, no, no one is a superior or inferior to anyone else as a human. But it does mean that God gives offices and positions and functions and designations and delegations as it pleases him. And he may very well place someone in a position of authority that is senior and superior to my position. And if I am wise, I will submit to him or submit to her in that office without any qualms whatsoever. Because in order for me to become, I've got to be positioned. In order for me to become, I must submit. In order for me to become, I've got to be in alignment. The Bible says in the case of Matthew chapter 3 that, that Jesus came to John and asked John to baptize him. And the Bible says that John said, I have need to be baptized of you. Now, remember, Jesus is God and Jesus is sinless. And John said, Jesus, what I'm doing out here pertains to sin and remission of sin. You have no sin. Even I was born in sin. Even though I'm the baptizer, I'm the one who needs to be baptized of you because I was still born in sin. 
And the Bible says, Jesus said to him, suffer it, permit it, allow it to be so now, for thus it becometh us to fulfill all righteousness. In other words, John, if you don't baptize me because you consider yourself unworthy, you've just rebelled against me. You have just disobeyed me. In your effort to be submissive, you will not have submitted. In other words, there are times when someone in a position of authority will ask you to do something for which you don't consider yourself qualified. They may ask you to do something for which you do not consider yourself worthy. But it's not about your worthiness. It is not necessarily even about your qualification. It's about your assignment. I would uh, shout a little bit here because John the Baptist says, in effect, I know I don't deserve this position. I know I don't deserve this function. I know I don't deserve this operation. The only reason why I'm doing it is because it's my assignment. Ladies and gentlemen, sometimes there'll be people looking at you. Some will look at you and be envious. There will be people who look at you and wonder, well, how'd he get up there? And why'd they call her? I know people who are more qualified. I know people. No, no, no. I understand that I'm the first one to tell you, I know I'm not deserving. I know I'm not qualified, but it's my assignment. And that's what you got to get in your head. Instead of you trying to explain to everybody why you're not trying to make yourself a big shot, you're not trying to lift up yourself, you're not trying to be arrogant or conceited. It's just my assignment. I told you my name is John. I told you my name is Yohanan. I told you my name is Grace. I told you God has just been good to me. I'm not here because I deserve it. I'm not here because I earned it. I'm not here because I'm the smartest or the cutest. I'm here because this is my assignment. And God will position you for your assignment. You must choose to position yourself in your assignment. God will position you for the assignment, but you've got to make the decision to step on in to your assignment. And there's, there, there are a number of things about your assignment, but one of them, and it's even about uh, in, in coherence with what pastor was sharing with us earlier, I promise you that if God has given you an assignment, there will be elements of that assignment and its execution that will make you uncomfortable. I'll say it again. There will be elements of your assignment and the execution thereof that will cause you to be uncomfortable. But at the end of the day, it is not about you. It is about your assignment. God will position you for your assignment, but you must position yourself in. Isn't that amazing? John the Baptist is put in a very uncomfortable position. Imperfection is going to baptize perfection. Mortal is going to baptize immortality. The creature is going to baptize the creator. And Jesus said, you better do it too. Oh my God. Oh my God. Oh my God. He said, you better do it. You, I know I created you. I know 
that before the foundation of the world, I purposed you. I know that without me, you are nothing and you can do nothing. And you better baptize me. Good God. God will put you, if you don't remember anything, if you don't remember anything uh, you heard on this stream and this screen today, God will put you in some uncomfortable situations. And yet, despite the discomfort, you are in the will of God. Don't ever assume that because it's uncomfortable, that it's not the will. <laughs> you will never go to the cross, Jesus, if, if, if discomfort is the barometer. If discomfort is the measure, no, sometimes God will put you in very uncomfortable situations. And that's uncomfortable in suffering, but also in uh, uncomfortable in success and in reigning. God will put you in some very uncomfortable situations, but you must take all of it within the perspective and the parameters and the understanding that this is my assignment. I would run a little bit or, well, leap a little bit, but uh, I, I won't do it. I won't do it, but I feel it all over me. I'm telling you the honest truth because there's some of you right now, you have held back when God has opened some doors. He said, behold, listen to what he said. We've got to close. Thank you for your time. He said, behold, I've set before thee an open door, but notice what he didn't say. Behold, I'm going to walk for you. Through the door. He didn't say that. He opens the door. But he didn't promise you that he's going to carry you through it. I'm telling you, there'll be times he's holding a door open. And you looking around like, not for me, this door must be open for somebody else. But no. This is your assignment. This open door is open to your assignment and to the fulfilling thereof. You will have to decide to walk into it. And some open doors have an expiration date. Some open doors have a time limit. Some open doors have a best if used by. The open door is not guaranteed to be perennial or perpetual. Some doors that have been held open for you for 20 years or 30 years or what have you can close. And then there's some doors, they will be open all your life, but the best time to go through the door is at a certain time that God has set. Knowing your assignment. I must know my sender. I must know myself. And I must know my superior. And I must understand that often God will put me in a position that is not comfortable, but it is compatible and consistent with my assignment. Can you receive that? I hope it blesses you. Our time has come and gone. Thank you for sharing a measure of it with us today. Until we meet again, this is Michael Blue of the Fellowship of Kingdom Professionals. 
I'm encouraging you to go forth today and lead. Make the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord, glorious. Make the career of Satan brief and miserable. And together we shall bring pleasure to Christ's heart. We shall bring fame to his name. Make sure you get a copy of a holy hardship. Refer it to somebody else who may be going through some things. Let them know that God always has an answer and a solution to every issue. And until we meet again at the appointed hour, may the peace of God go with you. Thank you for listening to the Fellowship of Kingdom Professionals, FKP, the podcast. If you'd like more engagement, click the link in the show notes to join like-minded professionals in the FKP Facebook group. Follow us at Bishop M.A. Blue on all platforms. Also join the FKP Weekly Conversation Live every Monday at 11.30 a.m. Eastern on Facebook Live and on YouTube. Finally, be sure to rate and review on Apple Podcasts and subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. May God bless you until we meet again.